Hello and welcome everyone to a special live episode of the Cultured Nerd Podcast. This week we're on episode 40 and we're going to talk about the controversial topic that has been going all over the Twitter sphere lately. Has Warner Brothers Discovery abandoned the DCU? And if so, what that means and everything in between. We're also going to talk about what the concept of inherited debt is and how much that's going to actually affect the DCU going forward. So buckle up and here we go. But before we begin, uh, this special episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Spectra Alchemy. If you've seen any of their digital goods or any of their content, go ahead, scan that QR code, head over to their Etsy shop, and go ahead and take a look at what they've got to offer. they got some cool stuff so far. So here we go. What an amazing hello there. We were both so excited to start talking, so we didn't know who was going to talk first. I think it's interesting that we're talking about this now only because some of the loss reports, I feel like, are starting to come out from the different studios and stuff like that, where the long and short of that was if they just gave the actors and writers what they wanted, they could have already paid for all of this. But now we're in cancel town where I'm already starting to hear more and more of these projects. So when did this first pop up uh, or when did you, when did you start thinking about these ideas? So the concept of Warner Brothers Discovery abandoning the DCEU has actually been around for a while, right? I mean, the moment they announced James Gunn and Peter Safran were taking over DC and then the, the essential reboot was coming into effect, People already were like, they're they're killing the Snyderverse, and we're going to watch a slow, painful death over the next year. And people really jumped at this idea that Shazam 2 had almost zero marketing. The Flash had a butt-ton of marketing, but then Blue Beetle had zero marketing. And now we're coming up on almost 90 days before the release of Aquaman 2, and everyone on Twitter was basically like, they're going to cancel Aquaman, they're going to shelve it, they're going to do this, because we haven't seen a thing yet. But the reality is people are assuming that they're they're ignoring the DCEU. They're letting these projects die. They're putting them in a shallow grave. But the there is something actually behind all of this I think people need to understand. And that's how marketing and marketing budgets actually work for studios. So I have a question for you. When it is when McDon- if McDonald's would have gotten Flash toys, right? There's a toy where you press it and the Flash runs, and there's like a Batman where he like shoots a batarang. Is that part of the marketing budget? It is, 100%. And, that, and that's what people don't realize is that a lot of these restaurants, right? They, they do these things where they do a marketing budget and they say, okay, um, we do you want to do your toy to promote? And that's what a lot of Happy Meal toys are. It's... Pr- promotion budgets mcdonald's knows that they're going to sell whatever happy meal they're going to sell but putting in a batman returns toy or putting in a toy for any sort of movie or like the next month i think next month they're bringing pokemon back again like once a year we get new pokemon cards with mcdonald's and that's what's happening but people don't realize that mcdonald's is basically selling ad space on their 
Happy Meals, and that's what the toys are, is the ad space. So yes, 100% Happy Meal toys of any restaurant, whether it be McDonald's, Burger King, Carl's Jr., that's marketing budget. Uh, hard right turn. So what is what does your baby get from McDonald's? What's your baby's order? Chicken nuggets. <laughs> right, but does it? Nuggets. And but then do you do that? You like? Do you do the apple slices? No, he likes fries. He actually <laughs> will prefer the French fries over the food itself. Like that. That's just like I'll buy it. Like I'll get a cheeseburger. I'll take out a fry to eat myself, and I see his little hand reach up, like <laughs> give me that French fry. Like that's his his bread and butter was French fries. So, I mean, it's the Irish in him coming out wanting the potato. And that's what it is. Uh, it's so funny that we will get, uh, well, I'll let you get back onto your train of thought, but I can't believe Aquaman 2 is 90 days away. I can't, I, I didn't even know it was still coming. It's so funny. You're right. I, I, it's going to come out. They need the money from it, but like, there's going to be no advertising for it, right? Maybe two weeks beforehand, three weeks beforehand. And that's that's the irony is that most people don't realize that in today's modern society and modern marketing for movies, the 90 day marker is the moment they start ramping up marketing 90 days and 90 days from today is still December 10th, 90 days till the movie comes out is probably still another two weeks away, which is which means that Warner Brothers Discovery purposely put out the teaser and then the trailer this week. Because of the online rhetoric that they're killing Aquaman 2. Because they're they're moving their their 90-day marker up two weeks because people were just basically like, Aquaman 2's dead, it's not happening, it's not happening, blah, blah, blah. But here they are putting out a trailer for a movie that literally less than 24 hours ago people were saying was being canceled and being shelved and going the route of Batgirl, which was pretty funny. It's got too many... Jason Momoa is too big of a star to shelve a project like this. There's yeah. too much. Um, the fact that, oh, are we allowed to talk about spoilers from the Flash movie? Now that it's on uh, now that it's on uh, HBO Max, can we talk about the Flash movie? I'm pretty sure we can anyways, because everyone who's wanted to see it has already seen it. Wonderful. The, the scene where Jason Momoa shows at the end to me was, oh, don't forget we have an Aquaman coming. Like, to me, that was, I know that there was all of these, oh, they wanted this thing and this thing. Those movies aren't happening. Aquaman 2 is happening. Well, and that, what it also does is point out that Aquaman 2 is a part of this divergent timeline that now exists part of Flash. So not only did they establish that at the end of the Flash oh. movie, the DCEU has a new timeline, but... Aquaman 2, the next film, is part of that new timeline. Now, will Ezra Miller be in Aquaman 2? No, because Aquaman 2 originally only had a Batman cameo, and the Batman cameo was meant to be whichever Batman shows up and says, we're, we're gearing toward an event, we need the team back together. And it was literally less than five minutes of a scene. So everyone who was all bitching and saying, oh, they took out Michael Keaton, or oh, they took out Ben Affleck, it was literally... It was smaller of a cameo than the Flash's cameo in the first Suicide Squad movie. Mm. It was very quick, and it was nothing. It was meant to just set up the crisis event that has been long canceled. So does that mean that George Clooney is going to be in Aquaman too? No, because they 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 cut out that sequence entirely because it's pointless. Um. The the scene was meant to set up a sequel that the studio is not banking on whatsoever. Uh, is there any chance? 
that so is Aquaman 2 going to be a standalone movie or is it still yes. going okay it was always meant to actually be more of a standalone movie than anything else um Zack Snyder's original plan for the second Aquaman was the Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom but that was meant to be Aquaman getting the the Lost Kingdom to rejoin the seven seas and join the the greater thing and then Aquaman using that new new army arsenal to be help them with the battle of dark side but when Zack Snyder's plans went out James Wan still wanted to go that route but now it's more of a standalone project with um Black Manta versus Aquaman and all that stuff okay uh so where does that leave us in this roadmap? Because I feel that the underperformance of these movies is going to affect James Gunn's new movies. Like, I don't know when we start seeing those projects get canceled, but I have a sneaking suspicion that they're not going to hit the time, uh, the time frame that they originally set out. Well, that's the, that's the funny thing is that, so when, Back in my my days where I actually had insiders giving me information and actual people in the studio, one of the last things that last conversations that I had with one of my contacts before I basically said, I'm not doing this anymore, I'm done. They told me flat out that it was right around the time Black Adam was released, and they said the studio saw how bad Black Adam was turning out, and they saw the the test screenings, they knew what was coming, and they knew that they needed to reboot. And they knew that they needed to reboot in order to get rid of all of the contracts that currently exist with all the people they just fired. And the way that kind of works is that, so say Shazam 2 was a massive success and Shazam 3 got greenlit, you would have to still pay out the contracts of like Walter Hamada and Jeff Johns and all the people that were quietly sent away from the studio and quietly cut off. So they're Essentially, they were looking at releasing what was already in the pipeline and then rebooting. And they knew that from the beginning, that whatever they got was just going to be one and done. And they told James Gunn and Peter Saffron, you got to still promote these movies, pretend like these movies are significant, make the make get us some sort of box office return. Because and that comes back to the concept of inherited debt. And that's something that I bring up a lot on social media is inherited debt. It's the best way to explain it is say, Michael, say you go out and you bought a house. Taylor, I'm buying a house, which means it's going to be really expensive because I live in California. So you bought a house and inside that house was a washer and dryer and a couple of random appliances. Okay. So you got those with the purchase of the house. You didn't pay extra for them. They were there. Okay. I mean, I did spend $3 million on this house, but okay. Exactly. Exactly. And then a bunch of random appliances were there. And with those appliances, you saw that they needed some repair, some tuning up to make them work. So what did you spend? Did you spend $3 million on this washer and dryer? No. You got those technically for free with the purchase of what you just did. And now whatever you're spending on the washer and dryer is just icing on the cake. So whatever you get out of it is how much you spent for it. And that's essentially what happened with Warner Brothers Discovery and the purchase of Warner Brothers. They bought Warner Brothers at the retail price that they got it for, and they inherited all of these movies that were 80, 90% complete. So the budget of $200 million or $50 million, whatever the budget was that people are saying, oh, they have to break even to get their money back. 
that's not real because their budget is literally what they spent on the project after they bought the studio. Uh, I was showing you that my the blender that I found in the house, this blender does not work. I can't make smoothies in this blender whatsoever. So, um, which means as well, they are going to put zero money into these projects, correct? They don't want... They put a little bit. I mean, okay. The Flash, I think, realistically had a budget of like $90 million of what they put in after they bought The Flash. Which means them making about $300 million off the movie, 250-ish, that means they turned a profit. Same thing with, with Blue Beetle. The movie was already bought and paid for and 90% filmed when they came in and they just finished it. They mm. spent maybe $50 million on it. They've already made a profit. So literally any money that they make off of these projects above 50 to $100 million is gravy for them. Mm. And that's what they're happy about. So they're not like, oh, we're going to fire James Gunn because these movies that we were expecting to fail have failed. No, they're just like, well, we got some money off of it. Cool. And also... There, I would assume that nobody blames James Gunn for these movies. This is old administration. These are old politics. This is just kind of what was left in the house that he was told. I mean, he's almost like um, the concierge in uh, John Wick, right? Like he doesn't own this hotel, but he now is running it and whatever he says goes. And that's actually one of the funniest things about it because people are like, oh, Blame James Gunn. Blame James Gunn. He's the devil. He's ruined this. He's fired this person. James Gunn is the creative director. Peter Safran is the business director. If you're mad at the business decisions that DC is making, James Gunn is not that person. It's Peter and, and James Gunn only took the job because Saffron was going to be the one that has to have these fights on the phones, right? He right. can come up with his big ideas and make the movies and kind of write the ship but he is a different person on the One Piece crew, right? He's not, he 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 is the Zoro to Luffy. You know what I mean? Yeah. The one who's actually doing all the work, but Luffy's the one, the face of the crew, and everyone's like, oh, he's the main one. He's Zoro, not the main one. Zoro carries so much of that show. There's so many times when he is the person that saves the day, but okay. No, no. And mind you, I, I actually started watching the anime, but just to, to, to compare with the live action, in that final battle, Zoro killed like 25 dudes and Luffy took down one. Yes, well, Luffy right. usually takes out the one big dude, but like, yes, heard, yeah, right, and that's kind of what we're we're looking at. So James Gunn is jo James Gunn's job was to create the roadmap, and Peter Safran's job is to secure the funds, make the make every business decision from there on out. So if you want to say that James Gunn fired Henry Cavill, did he, mm, or did mm. James Gunn say creatively we have no spot for you? And Peter Safran's like, so we're not renewing your contract. So technically, it would be all the blame should be going for the business decisions that we don't agree with should be going on Peter, not on James. But, now, but also, they were given a big shit sandwich. Like the yeah. fact that they didn't secure Zack Snyder when they did, the fact that they allowed him to leave means we're never going to get that vision again because the person that has that creative vision wanted to go play Star Wars at Netflix. And that was actually something that happened before. Warner Brothers even got bought by Discovery. That was something that happened because of Toby Emmerich and his bullshit politics driving James Gunn and not a, driving Zack Snyder to say, I'm done with all of this. I'm going to go sign an exclusive deal with Netflix. Right. Was, instead, of, instead of having five bosses, I'll have one boss at Netflix to answer to. Yeah. So 
everyone who keeps saying, oh, James Gunn killed the Snyderverse. It's like, are you paying attention? Zack signed an exclusive deal like a year before James even... He signed the deal before Peacemaker started filming. Right. So I want to know, when do we start seeing... Okay, so it's it's... HBO Max, which is now just Max with its big rebrand. Before has... I jump onto it, I think this is actually a big, big comment right here that a lot of people need to look at. Let me be the devil's advocate here. Y'all know I love James. Is it fair to say that James takes the heat because he is so active on social media with the fans? 100%. Anyone who goes out of their way to answer questions is asking to be blamed. Because, I mean, it reminds me a lot of like, Maybe, I don't know, six years ago, seven years ago, maybe now, maybe maybe eight years ago, when everywhere on social media, everyone kept saying, Obama's the devil, thanks Obama. They blamed Obama for like the hurricanes and everything. Because he was the face of the country, he got all the blame for stuff that had nothing to do with him. And right. that's literally what's happening is that James has become the face of DC, not because he's the business guy, but because he's answering questions, because he's going out of his way to clarify and debunk rumors. They're taking him as you're the guy in charge. Yeah, it's so funny that politics weaves its way into everything because here we come to another election cycle. Um, regardless of the names and the things that will trigger you, COVID and things like that are being talked about again. Y'all remember it was the Trump administration that made all these choices about COVID, right? So it's interesting that we are now here again, where we are mad at the previous, the new administration is getting flack for the other things that happened. So and that's, that's how politics is, no matter where you go. Well, is that I was, everyone blames the person before them. And when in fact, it doesn't matter. It happened. We got to rise from it. Well, I also wonder, okay, so we had HBO Max, we had the rebranding of Max, which has now started to get Discovery content on there. Do we ever see the connection of all of this stuff? Because right now, the missus is watching some terrible uh, reality show on Discovery, but Discovery right. Plus is only available on the Xbox. So... Is they are they going to port that over to the other consoles, or is are so, they going to start? In I, I I just wonder because they want this stuff to be streamed and they would like bigger numbers on these things. Yeah, is there any chance that we see the Flash streaming on uh, Discovery Plus to get more eyeballs on it? Not at all. the The fact of the matter is, is what HBO Max and Discovery are doing is essentially what Disney is doing at the end of the year with Hulu, was there, Disney had made this quiet announcement that near the end of this year, they're going to start putting their Hulu originals onto Disney+, Plus in an attempt to basically pull all of their content off of Hulu and let Hulu die a quiet death. And that's what Discovery, Warner Brothers Discovery is actually doing with the Discovery app, is that already 80% of all of the content on Discovery is already on, on Max. And they're just getting the rest of the licensing wrapped up so they can port it all over so they can eventually just depreciate the Discovery app. I love that we're talking about this. There's a couple things. Let's get into Hulu for a second. One of the interesting things that I've been seeing around Los Angeles is that uh, that Predator movie, there's all these billboards that say the best TV movie. Was that a TV movie? It was a Hulu original, yeah. Now, is that one of those products that will slowly make its way over to Disney? 
Wow. Because that product was actually made by 20th Century Studios, which Disney has already started moving all of that content onto Disney+. Plus. What will, when Disney leaves Hulu, what does Hulu look like? I guess Com- did Comcast gets, but what will they have? Nothing. FX? I mean, no, FX is already being moved over to Disney because FX is owned wow. by Fox, which is owned by Disney. Which is owned by Disney. So, and there's another one. Disney also gave Spectrum Cable users Disney Plus the ad tier for free and included in their new deal. So Disney is really trying to get new subscribers. And that's 100% true because there was actually like a two or three week hiatus between the two services where Comcast, like a Spectrum on a daily basis had this little thing saying, we would love to give you the Disney channel, but due to our ongoing conversation with Disney, we can't give it to you right now. And they had this placard all over all of the Disney channels. And apparently just yesterday or today, the deal has finally been reached and Spectrum is now getting Disney stuff again. Now I want, okay. So I watch the other nerd shows on the internet and I'm aware of other conversations that are going on. It seems like Disney has not been accurate with its streaming numbers or the budgets for these things. Not at all. How much, how much is Disney in the hole with all of these projects that have not, I mean, what wave of Marvel movies are we in now? Phase five. I think phase five, maybe five now. I don't know. Okay. Those movies Black Widow did nowhere the numbers that Iron Man and the original Thor did, correct? Like, correct. nowhere near those numbers. I mean, a lot of these movies are still in the black, but barely. Barely. Like, even Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, it made its money back. And that's it. It is one of their biggest failures because it didn't provide the 200% profit that they normally are expecting. Taylor, I don't see how any of that stuff continues because the quality isn't there. Now, as a person that watches these things, I feel like it is a guilty pleasure, but I don't get to talk about it with anybody but you. You know what I mean? Like this this isn't a water cooler conversation where I go into the office and ask people, hey, are you watching? Did you watch, uh, what was the uh, Power Rangers show uh, with the Chinese gods? The kid is a the, the it's the the golden monkey. The monkey god's son comes down to oh, earth. Oh, oh, the, the um American born Chinese. Thank you. It felt yeah. like a Power Rangers show. That's not a show anybody has ever asked me if I've ever watched. Right? There's one guy at my office that we're talking that I talk Star Wars with because he's another Star Wars lifer. Uh, because it is a life sentence. You, we are in Star Wars prison. We will be yeah, there our when, entire lives. What, once you have made that choice to join. The galaxy far, far away. It's ride or die until you die. It's like ride or die till you die. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Like you, you, you have to either go with it, or you have to just basically just admit that you're never going to be a part of any fandom ever again, and then just become a monk somewhere. Because well, Star I'll tell Wars you this: all consuming. I'll tell you this. You know, I feel like you know. Let's get back to the topic at hand. Warner Brothers and specifically James Gunn is going to have to rebuild this fandom from the ground up because I don't think any of these people, I mean, you know, you enjoy these films because you enjoy DC heroes, but I just don't see the market for these people anymore. Well, that's, and that's the reality is that a lot of people are still thinking like, how is people going to care about this? How is it going to care about this? But what DC has seen so far 
in their track record over the last decade is that the Batman, which was 100% separate than the DCEU Snyderverse, was successful. The Joker, 100% separate, was successful. What essentially is happening is that the fans are mad at the DCEU because it's not Snyder, and general audiences don't give a shit about the DCEU because it was Snyder. And that's the reality. Some of us love the Snyder stuff. I personally loved it. I would love them to go back. I would love them to finish it. But anyone who's saying that bringing back Zack Snyder and giving him Justice League 2 and 3 would be a billion-dollar project is fooling themselves. Because if they were, if that was a real reality, Zack Snyder's BVS, the first movie in the history of cinema to have Batman and Superman on the screen at the same time, would have broken a billion dollars. But the problem was Zack Snyder's products have become kind of like a mainstream niche. It's not mainstream mainstream, but there is a large group of people that do love it. But general audiences don't. Do you think... Now, I feel like we're under the larger umbrella, and I'll use some hot internet terms. Uh, Do you feel that we will see this apocalypse of superhero fatigue? Do you think that that is where this leads to? That we see really only Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, these big tentpole heroes, and that we're not seeing another Blue Beetle movie for a decade. We're not going to see a Shazam movie for, we'll see Shazam when he shows up in the Justice League, but we're never going to get a standalone B or C-class hero again. Isn't that what we're getting? I mean, look back to what James Gunn announced. Look back at the actual movies he announced. Right. Because the reality is that what they announced, a lot of the story building, a lot of the world building with the B and C characters are all on Max. But the big tentpoles, Batman, Superman, Swamp Thing, and The Authority, and Supergirl, those are the only movies. Those are the big movies. Swamp Thing has been a huge character for a very long time for the comic book horror community because of what it is. The Authority is appealing to what? The boys fans, fans. of the boys. Right, right. right. They're going to do. They're gonna take a play from, from Amazon. And you know what's funny is... I feel like the boys has been a slow burn for a long time. It has earned a lot of clout because it's been good to its fans, but that show took a long time to really gain. It's been popular, but I feel like now it's a much different beast than it was when it started. One thing that I actually want to bring up is something that's very interesting because there was a a rumor that came up a little while ago that I'm trying to find who started it. Um, there was actually, I'm just going to try to pull it up right now. It's so um, interesting as well, because The Boys is not an action show. There's action scenes in it, but it's mainly just a show about characters and story. No, it, I mean, what that really is, it's a very story-driven, situational drama with some vulgarity and action in it on occasion. But it's really a meta-commentary about how shitty the human race is mm-hmm. and how shitty superheroes can be and how shitty people are if powers existed. It's right. basically... It is a parody. It's it's essentially like modern day RoboCop. Right. It's a it's a parody of the world, in the most ridiculously obscene, in your face sense. And what, that's what and, it is. And when Taylor mentions RoboCop, he means the original RoboCop, not that new RoboCop that was an action movie and not a commentary and was not as good as the original RoboCop. Mind you, I liked a lot of the new RoboCop for what it was, but 
it missed a lot of the charm of the original because the original one was a parody. Right. And people people don't get that, right? I mean, it was yeah. 100% a parody of the world, of, the, of 80s society dialed up to 11. And that's what that RoboCop was. Mm. But so this rumor, I, I'm trying to find out who, who started it. Um, the internet, the internet started the rumor. That's where all the rumors started. But apparently uh, there was right before, right before the writer strike went into place, handful of offers went out from DC studios and a lot of people were quietly locked in to be the authority. But James wasn't wanting to announce the cast of the authority until he announced the cast of Superman. Have we lost, have we lost authority cast members now? We don't know yet, but the, the rumor was that the cast was already locked in, okay? And here's the listing of the cast. And this is very interesting because, mind you, the Authority has two very openly gay characters, and they're a couple, right? So it's going to be a very unique way. It's going to be very interesting to see this because people are going to be like, wait, what the hell? I don't know anything about the Authority whatsoever, which is crazy that they're bringing it, which, you know, funny enough, when we talked about all of these projects, they were tentpole projects that Wonder Woman felt like Game of Thrones. Okay, so this is the boys. Okay, so we're going to no, have no, so, these two characters. The Authority is essentially like the, like the, the storytelling-esque style of the boys, but essentially the Watchmen. And not okay. like the modern day Watchmen, but like the the early Watchmen where they're like, we're going to do whatever we can to save the world, even if it means killing a few hundred people. Okay. Like that's who the authority is. Is like, for the greater good, we will sacrifice the one to save the many. And that's essentially that. They, they don't have a moral compass. They have a for the greater good compass. Every time you say that, I just picture all the old British people in hot fuzz. For the greater good. <laughs> essentially, essentially. All right. So according to the rumor, we have... The character Jenny Sparks is going to be played by Kira Knightley. Uh, the it's game. hold on, you, you, we can't go through this. It's crazy that Kira Knightley has waited so long to dip her toes into right. superhero world. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård is playing Apollo, and Apollo is their version of Superman essentially, but he's also one half of the gay couple. Ooh, interesting. Sam Warrington from the Avatar franchise is Midnighter. The second half of the gay couple. Kiki Palmer as engineer, Riz Ahmed as the doctor, Gerard Butler as Jack Hawksmore, and Ken Wanabe as the villain uh, Kaizen Gamora. Wow. That's a and pretty good that's a that's a good that's cast. A fantastic cast. And the rumor again keeps saying that Matthew Vaughn is going to be directing this thing, which is 100 percent possible. And they say the movie is directed by Matthew Vaughn and written by Drew Gardard. Now, if that's true. You you sold me on the cast, the crew, and everything in between. I'm ready to see this movie. Yeah, it's going to be hard to watch, but it's going to be very jarring because the reason why we have to see uh, essentially what is Superman, right? He is hope. What is hope? Is that that would be my Jeopardy answer? Right. What is, hope? what is hope, Alex Trebek? So we are seeing this new DC world si- situating with the. The Justice Society of existing for the last 50, 60 years. And you have Superman coming in as this brand new hero, but as this icon of what we should be, not what we are. Trying to elevate those who are already doing the job and those, it's like, I'm going to be the brighter light than the what's been saying that they're the bright light. Right? So you have the Justice Society and you have the authority, right? Both doing the right thing, 
but the Justice Society is very old-fashioned in the way like they're like the uber Republicans that we are going to fight for Christian values and that's it. And then you do have we, the authority that uh, is will, like, will we're going to do whatever it takes to do will the that, right Will thing. that Justice League be, you know, we're talking about Watchmen. Is it going to be the, are we going to see the 1940s version? Are we going to see Old Man Flash and stuff like that? And Magic Green Lantern, like, oh, they were there, but they're kind of dusty and they don't really do anything anymore. And that's why we need these new hardcore heroes. I mean, they have to be because half of the group that I mean, the casting for Superman already revealed Green Lantern, Mr. Terrific, and Hawkgirl, and those are members of the JSA. Right. So we know that there is a legacy JSA that's already existing in this world. And we know that Superman is here as the new beacon of hope. And then on the flip side, you have the authority, which is essentially like America during Vietnam. Like we're right. gonna do the right thing and kind of burn some people to the ground in the process. Sure, sure. Very right. what, which is just like comedian and watchman where he went to right. Vietnam and did terrible things. So what we're gonna see is a very unique take on this world where the big issue that they had with the DCEU was that when Zach made Man of Steel, it was based on the script of of who, right? It was based on the script of Chris Nolan and David Goyer. And they wrote that script while they were making The Dark Knight Rises as kind of a juxtaposition of what they were doing with Batman. But again, they treated this world as a standalone world until the sequel came out and they retconned the world and introduced Batman, Aquaman, Flash, and everybody. Like initially, the Man of Steel movie was essentially going to be like The Dark Knight, where just the only hero in existence is this one hero. But this time around, we're getting a fully fleshed out world with massive amounts of history, and now Superman is coming into it. Um, it's so interesting. So we're going to have this group that we don't like their tactics and that uh, Superman is the juxtaposition of it. Where do you think Batman fits in all of this? Because Batman is always the one who he will get his hands dirty to his moral code, right? right? So where does Batman fit in all of this? Well, I don't think that we're going to get a Batman that's been as dark as the previous on-screen Batmans. Because, I mean, in reality, we've had we've had every version of Batman has killed on screen. Yes. Literally every version of Batman. From yeah. Michael Keaton's Batman to, like, he literally, he murdered the Joker. He he killed a bunch of Joker's goons when he bombed Ace, Ace Chemicals. And then in Batman Returns, he literally strapped a bomb to a guy's belt, pushed him down a sewer, and then watched him die, smiling while he did it. Did Val Kilmer kill anybody? I don't remember. He did. He killed Two-Face. Oh, he killed Two-Face. Yeah, like Two-Face was flipping his coin, and he threw a mob of coins at him to knock him off the ledge. Uh, like, technically, then, did George Clooney kill anybody? Because he 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 just he let that guy die, but the redemption arc of Mr. Freeze, Arnold Schwarzenegger was like, he kind of gave up at the end. I'm sure he did. I mean, okay. if I sat down and watched that movie again, I'll be like, yeah, he let a few people die because you know he did. I mean, I they a lot of people, yeah. I mean, those movies, I'm trying to think. I, I guess whoever fell off that bridge, right? Like if, <laughs> if we're, we're but at the same time, and then even even the, the Chris Nolan movies, they they pointed this out as one of the biggest hypocrisies was that Batman murdered Rachel Ghoul via technicality. I don't sure. have to save you but I'm not going to murder you. Like, okay, so you're just going to... It's like, you have the ability to save him and keep him alive, but you're like, peace out! And you, like, jump off the bridge. You know what that is, right? Well, and it wasn't that... I mean, I, I the Nolan movie's so good, but, like, 
wasn't Batman flipping people's cars off that bridge? Like, wasn't he doing? Yeah, like lots of crazy stuff. But then in the Dark Knight, in the Dark Knight, he knowingly killed at least five people. Right. Um, Obviously, when he he rammed that garbage truck into the ceiling of the road, those guys are dead. Sure. Sure. And then then he he straight up murdered Two-Face. Like, what's going to happen when you tackle some guy off a building and let their body fall? You know what you're doing. Right. And then in the in the third one, he kills Talia and her goon with the 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 bat. What the bat? That's actually what it was called, right? The bat. He <laughs> shot them. They flew off the bridge and died. He did. He knew what he did. Like his moral code in that movie was very flexible. Can we take a a real hard turn for a second? Yeah. Did you hear that Nolan might be doing a James Bond movie? Nolan should do a James Bond movie. He basically did one called Tenet, but I would love to see him do a two or three arc James Bond movie because I don't think they know what to do with James Bond now because they need somebody to come back, but I don't think they want to go as dark as the other movies, but you can't do what they did with Pierce Brodson. It's got to be different. What what they realize is that, okay, if we make James Bond black, the audience will crucify us. If we make James Bond a woman, they will crucify us. If we make James Bond the same, They'll be pissed at us. What can yeah. we do? Nolan. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what they're realizing is that they just got to give Chris Nolan the, the keys of the kingdom and pray that people will show up and he'll give us basically Timothy Dalton as James Bond. It's going to be oh, it's gonna be so good. It's <laughs> going to be real stunts. Like, yeah. I, I bet it feels, I wouldn't even be surprised. You know what you need to do with James Bond? I feel like you need to make it the 70s or the 60s again. Do modern action, but you got to take him out of the theory. modern day. Yeah. Put him in the 1980s. Give him like the weird laser watches again. And yeah. It, like, let's go like essentially what Kingsman was, but not as quirky. Like, well, give you know, us that again. You know, what's funny is the other answer to all of this as well is you got to Tom Cruise it because Tom Cruise is doing those action stunts where it's like, he's not James Bond, but like those Mission Impossible movies are, you know, James Bond adjacent. Yeah, they're American James Bond and they have been for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I believe the American James Bond was named Jimmy Bond and they did it in the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyways, but the the thing is that what we have now is the studio knew, and I just kind of segue right back to the beginning. The studio knew that the DCEU slate was a cursed commodity, not because of the stigma against the Snyder crew, not against any of that, but because it was the product of Walter Hamada and Toby Ebrick trying to course correct in a way that wasn't going to work. And they but knew Taylor, it wasn't going to work. They tried to course correct with every movie they jerked the wheel. And then they would do yeah. another movie and they jerked the wheel. I feel like it's why I never was able to invest in it because I was like, where are we going? Like, yeah, you know what I exactly. mean? Like, what's the movie I'm supposed to like be my tentpole movie? Because every movie they put out, they set up a new big bad that they immediately abandoned. Yeah. Starting with Justice League, the Legion of Doom. Nope. Segway away from that. And then they went into literally every movie had a bigger bad or bigger reference to the greater world that they just immediately abandoned. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's funny as you say that right now, Suicide Squad had like demons and metahumans. Nope. Never went to that world again. Suicide Squad 2, Alien from Space. Oh, that's what we're going to do? Nope. We're going back to other more down to earth stuff. So yeah. Okay. So they, they took a very unique and very chaotic approach to what they were trying to do. And I think that Warner Brothers Discovery saw that right off the bat and said, none of this is working because 
this is not the world that we knew was going to be successful. So what do we have to do? We just got to not do that. We got to do exactly what fans want. We got to hire one person to creatively control it and then trust them that they're not going to butcher it. And they hired James Gunn, which a lot of people will credit James Gunn as being the guy who changed Marvel for the good and the bad. It's so crazy when you watch Guardians 3, how different it feels to everything else Marvel has done. Everything else feels like a Saturday morning cartoon. And then Guardians of the Three comes out. It is adult. It's pretty disturbing. Like, yeah. the like if you were to, like, say, like, what's the theme of the movie? I'm pretty sure it's animal torture. Like, <laughs> it's essentially a giant PSA about animal um, experimentation. Like, that's what it is. Like, but, and that's, and that's the thing. So, James Gunn put out Guardians of the Galaxy 1. They gave him carte blanche, make your James Gunn space movie, right? He made it. And the re audience reacted so hard to it, Disney was like, we should just make comedies for everything. They learned the wrong thing from that first one. They and then did. He made, then he made Guardians 2, which was a very intimate father-son story. And then they were like, let's stick with the comedy, because this was a little bit of a downer. And then they got weird with their stuff, and then he came out with Guardians 3, which is 100% what Marvel should have been the entire time because they weren't paying attention. It's so Let true. Creative tell his story. It's so true because I see that Miss Marvel, the, the Marvel's trailer, it looks like a, a slapstick comedy. Everything they've shown about that movie is not high stakes, even though that's what the movie will be about. It just is Brie Larson showing up in a closet and then they're fighting and they're, and they're friends and they're a team of three. What's insane to me is that there was a, a quote that the director put out saying, um, let me see if I can find it, because I, I, my eyes almost rolled right out of my head when I read this comment. Because the director basically said that, don't worry, the movie's going to be super quirky. I don't want quirky. And the fact that this, rumor's room, this movie's rumored to only be 90 minutes. How much plot development can you make with a 90-minute that's a TV special. I, I, that's yeah. that's 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 basically prey. Um, and ironically, the TV special that Marvel put out, like the the Man Thing and the Werewolf by Night, I love those. I that also so good. I also like that as well. I guess on the back end, though, they didn't perform well because it was a lot of money and it didn't turn into anything. But like, I couldn't believe that those that the woman character didn't even show up in. Um, Doctor Strange. I, I kept seeing all the magic stuff being like, oh, okay, we're going to get this bigger world. Nope, just a one-off adventure. I'm, so I'm reading some of the comments here, and I'm 100% agreeing with a lot of the stuff. This one right off the bat. Um, well, I mean, this one I'm going to bring up Chris's comment again. Still holding out hope for Batman and the Outsiders. You don't have to hold out for much hope, because that's a real thing. I'm pretty sure that's what we're getting. Yeah, because, I mean, we already see in the... We got the outside, like the JSA roster that we're getting the Superman Legacy is essentially the Terrifics and the Outsiders with a couple legacy characters from the JSA. And you know what? I'm going to pull up another comment right now, and I feel like this is pertinent to everything that we've been talking about. The cult is already saying that Aquaman 2 have bad VFX and that it's James Gunfault. Those people need help. Agreed. Listen, those VFX were already bought and paid for by the old administration. They are not putting money into that. They're going to advertise this movie, and that is it. And unfortunately, but also, also on that comment, ironically, I saw the teaser yesterday for Aquaman 2. Yeah. The special effects look better than the first Aquaman. So I don't sure. know what they're smoking. I mean, the movie looks fine. Sure. But 
what I also wanted to bring up, and one of the things that I think people tend to forget because they don't understand how marketing works and how marketing budgets work. Michael, where does the marketing budget come from in a movie? Uh, great question. Uh, I would assume it comes from the studio itself, right? Like probably, is it an afterthought after the movie? No. So the, the marketing budget is primarily comprised out of the profits of the previous movies. So if Black Adam fails, the marketing budget for Shazam takes a hit. If Shazam fails, the marketing budget for The Flash takes a hit. If The Flash fails, the marketing budget for Blue Beetle takes a hit. If Blue Beetle fails, the marketing budget for Aquaman takes a hit, etc. Right. So you so, can already see that the products in the tentpole and the domino effect has been going on the entire time. And right. why has it been why like maybe people are like, oh, where's the VFX budget? Where's the budget? Where's the budget? Where's the budget? Where's the marketing? Where's the and they're always complaining, but they're not pointing out the fact that you boycotted one movie and you caused the next movie to not get trailers. And there's people on the internet who say, Why can't they just make a trailer? It's free, isn't it? It's their stuff. Trailers require scoring, VFX work, editing, all things that people have to pay for. And sometimes trailers require voiceover work. And voiceover work, ADR, is completely not happening right now because of the strikes. I didn't even think about that. So basically, they can only edit with the assets that they have. They can't bring anybody new in. And basically, if these trailers weren't already in the pipeline, which, you know, funny enough, there was a great documentary I watched about movie soundtracks. I was blown away that... At one point, they show the billboard on Hollywood Boulevard for the new Mission Impossible movie, and they were still recording the soundtrack. So, like, the fact that these things are so close together, I don't think you're probably, yeah, I didn't even think about that. There's no way they can have somebody go in there and record a voiceover and go like, Aquaman, the seas are yours. Take them if you will. We don't get any of that stuff. Unless the dialogue exists already in the movie, they can't record anything new. And if it does, they have to clean it up enough to be present for the trailer. Right. And that, that takes a lot of lot of stuff that it's just not, not feasible at this point. But there's so much that people don't pay attention to with how this all works. And it's honestly frustrating to watch people just bitch and moan about all these things. And they're like, okay, well, you're going to boycott these movies. But then you're also going to complain that they're not satisfying your expectations because you're boycotting it. So, okay. We've talked about inherited debt. We've talked about the fact that these movies have, uh, the three other movies you've just mentioned have underperformed massively. They canceled the Batgirl movie because they couldn't even see a way out of it. Right. Uh, put on, put on your Miss Cleo hat. Let's have you be a psychic for a second. How do you think? Right here we are. Happy 9-11 to you. Where do you see Aquaman 2 going? What do you think is the narrative? Where do you because it's not going to be, it's not going to get the advertising budget it wants. It's going to get posters, it's going to get what it gets. Um, because oh, that's kind of cool. Little known trivia. Back in the 1980s, they would use a hit soundtrack scores for unreleased movie trailers. Hmm. Didn't know that. That's pretty cool. I mean, um, I feel like I feel like the fact that they, you know, the fact that we, the world is so tainted, like, God forbid we use music from any of the other stuff. It's like they have a huge library. Music tone should absolutely be recycled, but we're not going to do any of that stuff. Yeah. 
So what I was saying at the beginning was that the studio knew that these movies were going to fail the moment they announced the reboot, the moment they announced what their direction was going to be, the moment they announced Safran and Gunn were taking over, they knew these movies were going to die. Right. But what they also know is that these movies were inherited debt. They had to put very little into finishing them, and any profit they got was profit. That's what they know. And that's what people aren't saying. They're like, oh, on Variety, on Deadline, or whatever. The the Flash is the biggest blunder of the year. They spent $200 million on it, $100 million in marketing, and they only made 250 Technically, The Flash made like $150 million in profit that they weren't expecting because they inherited most of that movie. Same uh, thing it, with Blue Beetle. Interesting question here, and I know that there's a little that the numbers don't match up anymore. Um, is Aquaman two going to be releasing in China? It is, um, but the, doesn't China still, take like eighty percent of the profits? Like, doesn't it's not as yeah, much um, as people think? It's not as much as people think because domestic domestic sales. I think forty percent of domestic films go back to the studio, and I think it's like twenty percent of international goes back to the studio. So the numbers aren't as good. People say, oh, it made a billion dollars worldwide. That doesn't mean the studio made a billion dollars. That means the studio probably made 300 million. Like, that's not a lot. But also, there's also the question of right now, China has new laws and new regulations about international movies now. So there's still a strong chance they may not allow Aquaman to come over there because they previously allowed a bunch of movies and then they canceled them because of their new laws. On that same note, China loves Aquaman. Really? Likelihood. Yeah, they loved the first one. The movie made a billion dollars mostly because of China. Wow. So there's a strong possibility that the exception of the year will be Aquaman. Does, they, Aqu- does Aquaman 2, is it supposed to be a darker tone? Because the Aquaman we got at the end of The Flash was not our normal, was not the normal Aquaman that we saw. I. Well. Oh, we should really get annoyed for that. Spoiler alert. All right, so Aquaman 2 is going to have some darker aspects to it. Um, The movie essentially is going to have uh, like a terrorist attack at the beginning of the movie where Black Adam, not Black Adam, Black Manta attack Atlantis, mortally wound Amara, and it's going to send Aquaman on this I have to get him back kind of a thing. Like the whole you killed my dad, I'm coming for you. Like, he's he's going for blood right off the bat. So Mera's barely in the movie because she's in the beginning and the end because she's, like, incapacitated for 90% of the plot. And the buddy part of this plot, instead of it being Mera and Aquaman sits, uh, going around the world, uh, Aquaman has to go to the Sahara Desert and take his brother out of the desert prison they put him in so he can help him find Black, Black Manta's crap. Because you hired this guy, I need you to help me take this guy down. So it's basically double dragons, right? We get two Aquaman doing Aquaman things and they do yeah. them a little bit differently. Yeah, uh, and you have the fact that his brother doesn't really want to help him because he's like, you put me in prison for like the last five years and I hate you. But okay, yeah, I'll help you because I'm going to get out of the desert for a little bit. That's cool. But there's so much also. And then there's also this whole plot line of the the... Black Manta's endgame goal is to melt the polar ice caps and flood the earth. So Aquaman's very conflicted. Like Atlantis will rise, but all the humans will die. So I gotta like unite the world because global warming is the enemy. It's really funny that there's gonna be a second that basically, you know, they're keeping it within the world because like this would be a perfect way to get the flash or get one of these other get the blue beetle in one of these movies, but like we're not getting that movie. 
Yeah, or like maybe the Justice League help help out. Like, sure. oh, you mean the polar ice cap's going to get melted? How about we defend the ice cap from the laser that's going to hit it? Like, uh, sorry, there's, there's no other heroes. All we have is Aquaman. They're all busy. I mean, they're mm. all busy. I mean, there's a volcano that Superman's taking out right now. <laughs> Realistically, then, where does this leave us? Where where do you think this goes? I mean, we're gonna this is gonna this movie's gonna come out. It's gonna be the Christmas movie, right? It's gonna be the December movie. Um, do you think that this is the ending? You know, this is the does this phoenix rise from the ashes, or do you think this is the final death note? This is the final name. I, I I meant to say death note, but I said death note. Is this the final signature in the Shinigami book? So from my understanding was that the plan was always to reboot regardless of what was successful. But if the project was successful enough, they would allow a sequel to be Elseworlds setting from that project. So if Aquaman two makes a billion dollars, they'll talk about Aquaman three, but it will be Elseworlds will not be connected to DCU. Cool. And Mm. that, and so this is the, the figurative end of the DCEU simple as that, because the DCU is starting its own new canon, its own new casting, and everything else from there. Um, I love how so this com- this comment pops up, and this is this guy must have been really paying attention to all I've been teasing for the last year and a half. Um, I showed up late. Apologize if you've already discussed this, but do you guys think we could see characters like Firestorm, Captain Adam, and Red Tornado pop up in the Gunverse? One thousand percent. And and they'll be in the background and they'll show up and they'll do something. They'll fight a guy and then fly away. And they're absolutely, he, the, the list of people, that picture that Taylor teased, I don't know, 10 episodes at this point ago, everyone's going to be in this world. So, like I said, in that same conversation where they told me that the reboot was going to be a thing, when my last conversation with my contact about December, January region, they said that characters like Firestorm and Captain Adam were hundred percent on James Gunn's list. And these characters were meant to be supporting characters in the in the grand scheme of things. So uh, the example they gave me was in whatever when Superman visits Star Labs for the first time, yep. you'll see Dr. Martin Stein in the background, one half of Firestorm. Or when he visits the uh, the the military bases, you'll see Captain Adams' human form. Like you'll have the world building is going to be so intricate that they're going to introduce these characters right off the bat kind of like what Zack snyder did with martian manhunter they're going to be there and then when they become heroes the groundwork could be like oh that guy's a hero now i saw him two movies ago fighting bad guys like okay i can believe that he's he's a good guy and do you like, think that do you think that this recipe is also gets repeated that we see some of these people in the waller movie maybe in jail cells maybe fighting or maybe in peacemaker 2 we see somebody in an episode but they're not the whole part of the show but that's the thing is that we don't know yet if Waller and Peacemaker 2 are even part of the DCU because those movies, those projects are so tied up intricately with the DCEU. They may just be the last projects that were bought and paid for by the previous administration that just haven't gotten made yet. Listen, John Cena is back in WWE. I don't know when those projects are going to happen, if they ever happen. What is your final thought on this? Where do you think this leaves us? Do you think that... These things are bought and paid for. They're going to happen, but the timeline on all of this is going to be very weird, specifically with the writer strike. Um, when do you think we start hearing movement on any of these things? So James Gunn had already previously planned to have Superman Legacy start filming in January, February. The Batman 2 was supposed to start filming in November, but they've moved it to March-ish, right? 
So as long as the writer strike ends in the next 60 days, which is fully possible at this point, then everything will go right back on track. The next project that's coming out the woodwork is Joker 2. If it goes 90 days and this doesn't end till November, December, does that throw a monkey wrench in everything? It might, but it might not be as big a monkey wrench as people think because James Gunn had already planned for all that stuff to be ready to go by January. He may not be allowed to cast anybody or do any more script revisions, but he did finish the script and he did get a lot of the casting already started. So, well, and most monkeys are tiny, so I could see a tiny monkey wrench not being a problem. If yeah. it was a gorilla so wrench, the, the then you'd have is, a problem. The reality is if they end the strikes in December, right? And they say, okay, now we've got six weeks just to finish the casting. They can still make their mark. Me and Taylor are both me and Taylor are both thinking about this for a second. Strike is not ending and will go until 2024, at least February 2024. If that's the case, get ready for the drought. Get yeah. ready. We were uh we went to breakfast and we were watching the TV and football's on. So obviously, right, they're showing Taylor, they're already talking about the new game shows coming to CBS because there is no new content coming. The thing is that I think people are realizing is that. The studios have realized very quickly that their public, the public opinion of them is very bad. Really bad. Right? And not only that, is that you see the studios are not wanting to budge, but they also know that because of how the market has been this year, because of the economy, they have to, or they're gonna just they're gonna die. And the 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 social media, the 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 actual tracking of things, they've they've realized very quickly that the general populace does not give a shit about Hollywood, its politics, or its drama. Listen, and, when the grocery store is costing me as much money as it is, I want these writers to be paid whatever they need to to make more content because the world is expensive right now. Yeah. So people are are just not caring about the fight anymore. And yeah. the studios are realizing that. So Right now, you had Steven Spielberg today drop like a million and a half on like the writer's relief fund. Yeah. And you, you have a lot of these people who are like, okay, we're going to keep allowing this strike to go on if it has to, but it can't go on much longer without people. Like, we've already seen people in the writer's rooms ending up being homeless, foreclosing on their houses and everything in between. That's actually already currently happening. And the studio said they were going to wait till that moment started for them to start being serious. But then the the actors got in the strike, and now the studios have to be serious. Mm. So if it goes another 90 days, that sucks because the studio can survive, but they know very quickly that they won't survive next year. So the, I don't think it's going to go that long just because if the content is not coming out, these studios cannot survive on the reserves. They don't and have it, enough. Yeah, and, and funny enough, uh, a, a tangent, if you will, we finally got the crackdown on the Netflix. We had to ask my mother-in-law to add us for the $7.99 as an authorized user. Um, yeah. People are going to start canceling subscriptions, period. Yeah. Um, and, and you can even see it. It's so funny that we were talking about how Disney wasn't going to release content. Did you see their $1,500 Disney 100-year anniversary collection? I did, but did you also see the fact that it's literally every film they've made for like the last 100 years? Yeah, like I was actually looking at that. I'm like, well, a hundred movies, typically twenty to thirty dollars a pop, and a lot of these have never made it onto Blu-ray. Yeah, fifteen hundred bucks is actually a pretty good deal. It just sounds insane, but when you what look at world. it, you're like, 
that's what? kind of like that's it. I mean, right? I mean, <laughs> right. Okay. Well, we don't want to leave everybody on a down note, but I think that this is basically where we're at. The studios are in a world of hurt. These projects are bought and paid for. They are going to come out regardless, and they will add a little bit more money to them, and we will see what comes of them. Uh, I hope Aquaman 2 does well. I don't wish it any ill will. I hope it's a fun movie. I hope that we get more of it. You know, if the audience wants to see more Jason Momoa, you got to go see it. But uh, I don't know, man. But I don't you know don't where see this leads us. He's probably going to end up as Lobo in James, James Gunn's project. He wants to be Lobo so bad. <laughs> He wanted to be Lobo before he got cast as Aquaman, and James Gunn probably said, hey, want to be Lobo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll save the Lobo episode for another day. Thank you, everyone, for joining us here on The Cultured Nerd for another insightful conversation. If you would like to help keep our lights on here, please head over to that patreon.com backslash The Cultured Nerd. Listen, there's no corporate funding coming through our door. Taylor's getting those t-shirts, but that's only one of us. Uh, he's been your host, Taylor Murphy. I am your co-host, Michael Santel. Those are all the wonderful people that keep us up and going. Thank you, Jose Navarro, for our logo. Thank you, Jay Murphy uh, and Jay Stu for your... Uh, Jay Murphy, Taylor Murphy and Jay Stu for our wonderful intros and outros and the like. Uh, if you have your cell phones, whip them out. I got a QR code for you. Give it a give it a picture, like, comment, and subscribe. Talk to us online. Let us know how are you feeling about all of these things. I mean, we are the audience for these things. Are you happy about these choices? Are you sad about these choices? What do you want to see going on? Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for listening and being our patrons. We'll see all you kids and cats next time. And one last thing before we go. I just oh, another say, thing. Starting in October, all of our channels, including uh, the Cultured Gamer, uh, Through the Monocle, and uh, the, the Cultured Pull List, including TCN Podcasts, we're all actually finally going to start doing giveaways. So starting in October, we're going to do month-long giveaways, like our or week long or two weeks long, something of that line. Cool. You like, comment, and subscribe. You help us get the word out and you get into the running for a, a random item. Uh, one of the things that I'm thinking about giving out is something that's near and dear to my heart is a cup, a variant cover of the, of the uh, comic book from the BVS era with one of the Batman v Superman variant covers. So I'm going to go through my collection, find a cover that's pretty cool. And if you want to get a Batman v Superman variant cover from like seven years ago. Get in the thing. So like, comment, subscribe, help us spread the word. And if you want certain things in the giveaways, just let me know in the comments. Let me know on social media, whatever you have to do. Um, I know that the Cultured Gamer team, they're actually planning on giving away a Nintendo Switch Lite. So wow. they're, they're going a little bit cool with that. Um, I know with the uh, Through the Monocle guys, because they're the big movie buff show, they're going to start giving away a movie from the director of their focus month. So if November is Tarantino month, they'll probably give away Pulp Fiction. Very and, cool. And for the Culture Pull List guys, whatever their theme is for the month, if they're doing a Superman month, they're going to give a trade paperback for that of one of the books that they're favorite of. So we've got plenty of stuff in the woodwork. Let us know what you want. Like, comment, subscribe, do all that jazz, but help us help you with these giveaways. So thank Thanks, you, everyone, everybody. We'll, we'll see you next time. Bye.